Alrighty, so uh, we continue now with uh, the Chovas Hatamidim, the, uh, the piece that we've been doing, the introduction to the Piyasetna's uh, uh, Sefer, and the introduction specifically related to uh, Techinuch. And where we're up to in the Sefer, so he's talking about the fact that uh, in order for Chinuch to be effective, so we have to realize who exactly um, the uh, the child is. We have to see the uniqueness of the child. We're going to have to address the uh, that uh, unique personality of that particular person in order for it to, to be effective. We're not just transmitting or sharing information. What we're trying to do is we're trying to develop the character and the traits which are already in the child and so that the child will be able to channel them, will be able to use them effectively overall in his, uh, in his Avodah Hashem. So where we resume now, he says, and this is a critical part of the uh, of the piece. So here we are, and I will try again to just sort of keep it uh, going. And he says as follows. He says, and this is like an incredibly, I, I find it to be incredibly insightful the way he frames it. He says, So the more that any parent or child is aware that the child or the student is who is in front of them, so that child is not going to be a child forever. So what does it mean? Why, why do we have to go ahead and emphasize the fact that this child is not going to be a, a child forever? But hopefully... Um, um, so they will grow up and become adults, and they will have adult maturity. And Afshar, and it's also possible, Gam Gedolim it's also possible that the child or the student who's in front of you can ultimately mature and develop into somebody who is great in terms of Torah and service of Hashem. But, so even though there may be this intellectual awareness that this child, we'll just say for simplicity, is eventually going to be an adult. But sometimes what parents or what uh, educators will do is they address the child only in the moment where the child is in front of them. In other words, they look at a second grader as nothing more than a second grader. And my focus has to be on this child who presently is a second grader with second grade maturity and second grade capabilities. And being that the parent or the teacher, the educator, only sees a young child in front of them. So therefore, rak so the goal, if that's all the parent or the adult sees, so then all the adult is going to try and do is make that child the best second grader that they can make them. So they want to maximize those second grade skills and make sure that the child is able to do as well as he can as a second grader, because that's all the adult sees is a second grader, as a seven-year-old. The Torah, the Yira, and therefore, what they want to do is they want the child to daven as a second grader. They want the child to learn as a second grader. They want the child to interact with his uh, with his friends only as a second grader. And v'daylahem, and the adult says that's my goal. That's enough for me. That is the purpose of 
having the second grader in front of me is to make him the best possible, to make him the most successful second grader that I could possibly make him. But now he says, the PSS says, it's mind-blowing, it's mind-blowing what he says. But the adult, whether a parent or a child, who adopts this approach and this perspective of the child in front of them, look at this phrase, that person, that adult, who's doing their best to educate this child to be the best second grader they could possibly be, that adult is a sinner not only against Hashem, but against the Jewish people. That's an amazing thing to say, because that's their job. The job in the classroom is, you've got second graders there, you have to make sure that they learn the second grade curriculum, and that they should know it as well as they possibly can. That Seemingly, we would have thought that is the goal of the second grade rabbi, the second grade mower, the third grade rabbi, the third grade mower, that's what they should do. What else should they should they be doing? So says the PSS, I'll tell you exactly what they should be doing. The father or the rabbi, they must know that the people, the children, the second graders are in front of them. that classroom of children is in front of them. So these are children of Hashem potential gedole Yisrael, people who could potentially become real gedolim, and therefore it's incumbent upon them, it's incumbent upon those adults to make sure to educate and to uncover that godless. That godless isn't the success as a second grader, that godless is what they're going to be at 20, 30, 40, and 50. Vesanarim asher and what you do is, as you look out at that classroom of second graders, you have to see these tremendous neshamas, which are still in a small budding stage. If we were doing this in the springtime, I could tell you to go look at the uh, the trees and what's happening on the trees, what's happening with the uh, the plants and whatnot. But you have to look at that as if it's a small little bud which is going to grow and develop and mature and blossom eventually. And therefore, I don't look at the blossom and say, oh, it's such a beautiful blossom. I'm, I'm so excited what it is. I'm going to go ahead and just take a snapshot of it and keep it in that stage forever. Because if all you try and do is just keep it in that stage forever, that's obviously going to stunt the growth of that blossom, of that bud. But you have to look at the big time. What do you want the tree to eventually look like in the middle of the summer when it's fully grown and it's fully blossoming and all of that? And the job of the adults, the job of the educators, the rebellion and the mowers and the parents is to look at all of that potential. And the goal is to be able to develop it, to be able to allow it to sprout, to be able to allow it to blossom, to be able to grow into its full potential. That is the perspective that the parents and the children and the educators, sorry, and the teachers have to bring to the classroom or have to bring into their home, not focus on being the best second grader that they could be, because this is just one stage in the broader development of the child. But really what needs to happen is we need to make sure that we have this long-term perspective, what exactly it is that we want from this child to eventually become. And now he says, again, as, as I've mentioned to you, the PSS uh, can wax poetic uh, very beautifully. So he says, Gananhu began Hashem la'avda Ganan means look at yourself as a gardener. 
So you're a gardener, you're, you're a landscaper, and your job is to make sure that all the plants and all of the trees and all of the vegetables that are in Hashem's garden, that's the children, don't look at it as a classroom, but this is Hashem's garden, which is there, or your home, is Hashem's garden. And just like Adam Arishon was given the responsibilities, put into Gan Eden, and his task was, work it and take care of it. So that's our job with the children and with, uh, with, with students is to make sure that we look at them as rows of flowers or rows of trees or rows of saplings. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that we create conditions and we create an environment through which the child is going to be able to develop and blossom and grow and mature. And even if you see children, if you look at them and you give an honest assessment and you say, the children seem to be depressed. They don't seem to be excited. Or you see a child in front of you, a child or a student in front of you, which they seem to demonstrate bad midos. They seem to have bad character. They're not getting along. They fight with the, uh, the, the other kids. Whatever's going on, whatever um, uh, uh, character flaw the parent or the, uh, the educator is going to see in this second grade or the fifth grade or the seventh grade or whatever they are, so he says, don't be, don't be, con- not, not be concerned, but don't get overwhelmed by that and don't label the child as bad as a result of that. Yeda, because as you look out at that child, you look out the, at that student, Yeda teva hanishamos Because what you're looking at is, this is the seed of a soul which is developing, and Boser is the initial growth of an, an unripe uh, fruit. So Boser is a very early stage when it goes from a flower to a bud to the initial stages of fruit. So that's what you have in there. So you have the seed or you have the bud of a child who's going to be a lofty neshama and one who's going to be able to rise to the level of malachim. But what's the nature of a, if you take an apple in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the month of June, or you take an apple off of the tree in the month of July, and you bite into that apple, so what's it going to be? Marim, we know. Marim heim bechanitasam. That's going to be very bitter in that development stage. Umaleim asis begadlusam. But we know that if you, leave the, if you leave the fruit on the tree for another couple of months, to mature and to blossom and to develop further and ripen further, so then it's going to be filled. It'll be a delicious apple by the time you get to fall time, by the time you get to, to the fall. So don't go ahead and look at the, the, the bud of that apple in June and July and say, oh, it tastes terrible. It's bitter. It's horrid tasting. I would never eat this uh, my, my, my entire life. Just be patient with them and allow them to mature and ripen with the right conditions, and eventually it's going to be a delicious apple, which you're going to chalish to have more and more. And therefore, he says, also incredibly important to uh, to be mindful of, There's no such thing, emphasize this, there's no such thing as a bad character trait or bad uh, um, uh, um, personality in absolute terms in a child. Children are not bad. There, there's no such thing as a child who, by his very nature, is somebody who is bad. That doesn't exist. That's, that's not true. And this is a, a fundamental principle, which the Piyasetza says was taught to us by the Baal Shem Tov, the beginning of the Hasidic movement, and his students. 
And that is this emphasis that there is no such thing as bad character or a bad person. Jews are not bad people. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. The only thing is, the only challenge is, the only the challenge is figuring out how to channel those traits. Traits are neither fleshig uh, or, or milchig. They're neither bad nor good. They in and of themselves are parv. And it's just a matter of how is that particular trait being used. The particular trait can be used for bad, or a particular trait can be used for good, and it just depends on how it's channeled, how it's directed, how it's going to be utilized. But everything can be bad or good. And we know this to be true. We know, we think of chesed is this tremendous uh, mitzvah, tremendous trait for a person to have, to want to give to others. But we know, Chazal say, that if one is compassionate in giving to somebody who is a quote-unquote rasha, so you could facilitate and you could help their rishas, you could encourage their rishas, so that's not helpful. That's a bad type of chesed. On the other hand, what we think of being strict is something which is a, which is a, a, a bad trait, perhaps, or anger being a bad trait. But when used in the right context, in the right conditions, so anger is something which can be utilized effectively. HaKadosh Baruch Hu got angry at Klai Yisrael. Was that a bad meter by HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he got angry at Klai Yisrael by the, by the Egel Azav? No, it wasn't a bad trait. It was being utilized in that moment, in that context, in those conditions, as a way of conveying to Klai Yisrael the severity of what they did. So everything which happens ultimately can be used for good, or it's something which can be used for, uh, for bad. And therefore, this is something which is, uh, which is an essential part of an essential um, uh, uh, perspective that parents and, and uh, educators in Rebbeim and Moras have to have, is that just because the child is behaving badly doesn't make the child bad. It means that they have a trait, which right now is being utilized in a bad way, but if we could just help the child learn how to redirect and divert that same trait in a good way, so then that, that's going to help the child achieve their potential. That's, that's part of where their godless is. And fortunately for us, the Piacetza doesn't leave us thinking or wondering exactly what, the, what he's referring to. He gives, us, he gives an example. He says a mashal, for example. He says, Im of shira. Let's say you have a student or a child in front of you who is an action. Action meaning they're just stubborn. Go to bed, I'm not going to bed. Take a shower, I'm not going to take a shower. Do your homework, I'm not doing my homework. Everything is no, 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 no. They're just stubborn and they don't want to do anything. Visovel hamalamid mimenaharbe. And the teacher or the parent, for those of us who have kids who are in that the parenting stage. So sometimes we'll end up being sova, we'll end up having to bear a lot. It could be a challenge to deal with the child who's this action, who's just stubborn, and you can't get them to do anything. So now he says, but so you look at the child, and say, oh, child is, is so stubborn and so bad and so, so rigid and is inflexible. It's terrible. I can't deal with it. So we end up labeling the child as being stubborn as bad. And then all of our interactions with that child is going to be from the perspective that the child is bad because of this stubbornness. But says the Piacetza, that's a short-sighted perspective of that child, and it's a perspective which is not going to serve the child, and it may very well inhibit or stunt the child's growth and not allow the child to be able to reach their potential. How is that? So he says he's bonin. 
He says, just think about it for a little bit. Get a little contemplation. Let's let let's take a long, uh, a broad perspective on this child's lifetime. Let's say we don't do anything to ruin this child's path in their in their journey. And eventually the child will grow and the child will accept upon himself and become committed to want to study Torah and will be committed to Avodah Hashem. So now a child who has that trait of stubbornness, of rigidness, so so that that's a child when they become an adult that they're going to be they're going to say I have to daven with a minion I don't care what else is going on this is something which I must do and they'll be rigid as far as that or they'll say I have a seder I have to learn parsha every week and it doesn't matter what's going on I'll stay up late I'll get up early I'll do what I need to do in order to accomplish my goals because this is a person who can be very stubborn and rigid but committed another way of saying stubborn and rigid is committed and they're going to be incredibly committed towards their avodas hashem Local, this is not a person who's going to be light, meaning that they don't take things seriously in their wishy-washy. And he says, this is not a person, because the person goes back and forth. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. They're like, hafach is the opposite. Wishy-washy, I already used that term, but wishy-washy. So he says, this person who as a child was very, was very stubborn and was very difficult to get them to do things which they didn't want to do, once they become committed to studying Torah and to serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that same trait of stubbornness and that same trait of commitment is now going to be their strongest, strongest trait in terms of their Avodah Hashem. Like the Medrash says, that there's this idea of being like a wall. So these are the rules. This is the halacha. And I can't violate this halacha. I don't care what else is going on. Halacha says, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm going to do. No questions asked. And they're not always looking around for a heter or anything like that. They say, if this is what Kodesh Baruch wants from me, I'm committed to go ahead and do that, everything. And such a person, if channeled correctly, so then, So every dimension of this person's avodas Hashem is going to be, it's going to be like an iron curtain. There's no swaying them, there's no stopping them, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do to not learn, they're not going to be denied what they need to do. I think I've, I've mentioned before that when I was in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, so there was they actually wrote a biography about him at, the, at this point. It's available in English, but his name was Rev Zilber. I think it was Rev Yitzhak Zilber. But he was somebody who was a, a Russian fusnik, spent a lot of time in Russian prisons because they kept catching him uh, studying Torah and teaching Torah and doing mitzvahs and, and stuff like that. But he was he was incredible. He learned Shas um, uh, uh, under the communist regime when they were watching his every move. He mastered Shas under those conditions. So this is a person who he had a goal, he had this stubbornness about him, that I'm going to study Torah, I'm going to master Torah, and nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to stop me from being able to do so. And he was not going to be able, he was not going to be denied his mastery of Shas under the communists. And he showed us that what he what he trained his eyes to do was he trained his eyes to be able to see in almost complete darkness. So he did much of his learning in the darkness of the night, no lights on in, the, in Russian prisons, and with a blanket over his head so nobody should see that he has a book. We said, how is it possible that you could be under a blanket when there's no lights and, and you're able to read? 
And he said, I'll show you. Get a blanket, get a safer, and I'll, I'll show you. So we're, we're all there in the in the dining hall over there at this at Malava Malka where he's speaking to us. And we, somebody runs up to the dorm, they grab their blanket, and they hand him a random safer. And he says, just open up to whatever page you want. And they turn off the lights, and he's got the blanket over him in the safer. And he says, just give me about 15 seconds for my eyes to adjust. And we're all looking around the room. We can't see the person next to us because it's so dark in the room because all the lights are out. In, in 15, 20 seconds, he starts reading the safer. And that's a, this was a person who, as a child, was probably very stubborn, was probably very difficult as his parent or as, a, or as a, his Rebbe or his Mora to go ahead and deal with him because he was so stubborn and wouldn't do anything that he didn't want to do. But once it was harnessed for good, he was going to learn Shas in the, in the darkness of the night with a blanket over his head. And he was not only going to be able to read it, he was going to master it, and that's, and that's what he did. So the Piyasetzna emphasizes, he says, don't get so intimidated and don't get so worried about the trait which you see in the child presently, because that's just this, this early, immature, unripe stage of the child. And in, in the unripe stage, it's going to be bitter, it's going to be difficult. But if you stay with it and you continue to create the environment and you create the circumstances to allow that to grow and develop and mature, so then you'll see the child will, will harness that for Avodah Hashem, and then he's going to be unbelievable. He'll be one of the Gedolim. Similarly, he says, V'im yira Talmud b'midas akas. Let's say you have a child in front of you, a child or a student in front of you who gets angry, has, has a short fuse, and whatever happens, he's angry, he's angry, he's angry, he's angry. So he says, hey, Nemes, it's true. Shabaofen zeh, that in that, at this stage, at the second grade stage, when you have the child in front of you, So when you have a child that young who is constantly angry, is angry at everybody, is angry at everything, nothing is good enough, and is always complaining, all of that. So at that early stage of their life, second grade, you know, uh, second grade, 12th grade, 10th grade, whatever it happens to be, at that stage, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. It's so difficult. It's such a challenge to deal with a child that they're just angry about everything. They just to be filled with rage. They seem to be filled with anger. And you say, oh, this is just who the child is. This is their personality. They're stuck this way. They're angry now. They've always been angry. They will always be angry. And there's no hope for them. And we just sort of label them and we begin to interact with them as they are at this moment, without this broad, long-term perspective. But he says, But at this point, when they're in second grade or they're in 10th grade, whatever age they are, are you going to be able to decide that they contain this shorish pororosh vilana, that's a passive, talking about the bitterness of wormwood or whatever it is, but are, are we going to be able to say definitively that there's something wrong with the child, that there's a defect in the child, that Takarish Baruch when he created this child, he forgot to wire something. And therefore, this child is just plain bad by virtue of the uh, by virtue of their anger. Are we going to be able to say, that there's something wrong with the nature and the character of this child? Not at all. That, it, that there will be a terrible thing to say about the child. It's a terrible label to assign to the child to say that based on the behavior which I see in front of me today, that must be what they're going to be forever. And he gives uh, the most, the pisatsa, again, he gives a, a beautiful mashal. He says, 
let's say you have a shota, somebody who's just not uh, not all there, and therefore intellectually they're not uh, they'll grasp things. Shoshama esthilas ha'esrog. So he hears, comes Sukkot's time, so he hears everybody talking about the beautiful Esrog, the beautiful Esrog, creates Hadar, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and he hears all of these praise, everybody for uh, for a week or two before Sukkot, and then on Sukkot, everybody's talking about how wonderful the Esrog is, it's Gavaldic. So what does the Shota do? What does he do? He says, oh, it's a great fruit, everybody keeps talking about a great fruit, what do I normally do with fruit? You eat it, and it's delicious. So what does he do? So he goes to the Esrog orchard, and he says, lecho zera garin, and he goes out and he grabs an esrog seed. And he says, if the esrog is, is delicious, I'm going to eat a seed that's going to be delicious too. Or he goes out and he takes an unripe esrog, I don't know what a, a good esrog tastes, tastes like, but an unripe esrog, which is going to taste uh, bitter. And then he goes out and he bites into it, the yitzak, and he's going to scream, v'olel alav lemor, and he's going to say, eh, feh, this is disgusting. Three marv are sihua esrog. He says this is a, a bitter, horror tasting esrog. I don't know why you guys keep talking about that. This is a great fruit. This thing, this esrog tastes terrible. So we laugh at that. We, if that were to happen, we would laugh at that. Why do we laugh at that? Because we who think we're we're more broad minded. We have a better perspective on things, so we assume that we understand perfectly well that you took something which is unripe and you're gauging its value and its its sweetness based on its current unripe stage. So that's the folly of it. That's the, that's the joke of it, is that you're making such a, a, a grave error to think that what you have in front of you now is really what we were talking about. What we're talking about is a fully mature, fully ripened esrog. That's something which is going to taste wonderful. That's something which is great. And you went ahead and you grabbed it at this early immature stage. And you're saying, oh, it must be that this is terrible. The esrog tastes terrible. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. So that's crazy. So the PSS says the same thing is true when you have the child who's, who has chaos, who has anger issues in front of you, anger management issues in front of you right now. Right now, you're seeing that trait as it manifests itself in, 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 as the second grader, as the, as the 10th grader, wherever the, 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 the child is going to be, you're looking at them right now and you're saying, this is the final product and it's horrid, bitter tasting and I can't stand it. But what the, the big picture, which we have to look at, emphasizes the, the PSS, huh, is that don't think what you're looking at right now is something which is going to be the final product. You're looking at a fruit which is in the maturing process, and every fruit in the maturing process is going to be bitter until it's ready. So therefore, what you're seeing is an unripe uh, manifestation of their character, of their personality, but don't go ahead and get so, don't get so excited and don't go ahead and start assigning labels, which is not going to serve the child, or is not going to serve the student in any way, shape, or form. Now he says, Ha'im, uh, um, he says, that if it was possible to go ahead and estimate from the beginning, as Golda Hatoelis, this is the, the Biasetza's words, he says, the great benefit which the uh, the principal or the educator, the parent or the rebbe or the mora can extract min ras kasa kasan. He says, do you have any idea how beneficial that particular trait can be when it's harnessed and it's used for its proper for its its designated purpose? 
He says, you have no idea how great this, how, how, how powerful and how important that trade is, how valuable that trade is, because because when you dig deep into the child, you get into their kishkas, as we say, and you draw that child closer to Avodah Hashem, and you ignite the child's heart, in their soul, that they're going to be dedicated to Hashem. So what happens when you take the, that, that, the, that, uh, that trait of anger, the tra- I shouldn't say trait of anger, that trait with the child is manifesting, which at the moment manifests itself and presents itself as anger. And you go ahead and you take that child, you don't label them as bad, and you go ahead and you continue to direct them and encourage them and create conditions through which they're going to be able to mature. And you go ahead and do that till eventually they say, I want to study Torah, I want to daven to Hashem, I want to do mitzvahs, I want to do all of those things. One thing, I'll, I'll take your question in a moment. So then what eventually is the fire which burns inside of them, which is making them angry in the moment. So do you know what that person's davening is going to look like when you go ahead and you get them into davening? They're not going to be sitting there. As you see, some people davening, they're lean back in their chair. Their legs are folded over one another. They may have their arm on the chair next to them, and they're holding the sitter like this, and they're in a nice relaxed position as if they're watching a sports game. So some people, when they daven, so you look at their body, you look at the body language, and their body language says, I'm not really interested in what's going on. I'm doing this for some reason because I have to be here, but I'm relaxed as if I'm, you know, uh, as if I'm somewhere else in some other world. My mind, my mind is elsewhere. But a person who's excited about davening, who cannot wait, who has the, the emotion of davening, somebody who as a child may have uh, uh, presented a lot of kas and a lot of anger, if you get them excited, their davening is going to be, I don't know how many of you have ever davened in Stalin, where everybody's davening out loud at the top of their lungs. That's the way the minion is going to run. So this is going to be a person who's excited about davening, he's going to be loud in davening, he's going to sing and going to, going to create a ruach in davening. So that's something which is going to be unbelievable. One more minute, just one more sentence. The whole diburav, asher yedaber l'Hashem and this person who as a child had anger issues, when you get them, when you ignite the flame under them to get them excited about Avodas Hashem, the Torah which they study is going to be with such great excitement and such great fervor. And the davening that they do, their brachos, when you hear them say a bracha, you're going to say, oh my God, that person's actually talking to God. The rest of us, we say a bracha, we hope we get the words out of our mouth and we, do, we, we, we pronounce it correctly. But you look at that person, they just said the bracha of shahako. And they're so excited to be able to say that bracha, you can really tell that they feel connected to Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's what happens when you could transform and redirect that trait, which as a child presented as kaas, that becomes great emotion in being fired up in Avodah Hashem. And they're going to be on fire and they're going to be like thunder when it comes to Avodah Hashem. But that's only going to happen if we don't label the child when they're younger as somebody who has anger issues and then just leave them as an angry person. It's something which is ultimately going to have to be cultivated. Yes, Mr. Polonetsky, you had a question? Okay. Uh, He said you answered it right after he asked the question. Oh. Right after he raised his hand. Okay, I'm good that way. So he says, so he say, so so that's what PSS says. 
And he says, So those of us who daven uh, Nusach Ashkenaz, so we don't know this uh, prayer Kegavna. It's a prayer, I think, that in Nusach Sfard, they say, I think it's said on Friday nights. I think when we're singing uh, Yadid Nefesh in Nusach Sfard and by Hasidish places, so there's this tefillah called Kegavna. I think it's taken from the uh, from the Zohar. But uh, when he says, Perish Arav, I assume this means the Shulchan Arav in his sitter. So the he says as follows. And he says the same idea. Chamimus Shebekas. So he says the burning anger, the, that, that flame which manifests itself in anger. So ultimately, where does that where does that emotion come from of the anger? The emotion of anger comes from a fire which is burning in the heart. I don't know about the four elements of that with wind and fire and earth and all of those things, but he says that the fire which which fuels this person's heart in as as hopefully only as a child manifests and presents itself as anger. And everybody who has that type of anger or has that fire inside of their nature. So so what that child has the potential to do is to become passionate. That's probably the best word. Is to become passionate in their avodas Hashem. So as a child, when they're in that immature, unripe stage, so what that manifests itself is as anger. But then, or yeah, anger. But then when they, when they get older and they learn how to use that trait correctly and positively, so now that becomes the passion that they have for Avodah Hashem. So they don't just stam learn Torah, they learn Torah with passion. And they don't just stam read the words of the sitter, they daven with passion, they daven with real emotion. So that's what can be done if we go ahead and we cultivate things cor- correctly. And he says, Mikol Shekein, and all the more so, and if a person wants to go ahead and examine their own lives, or you're looking at somebody else's personality, sometimes it's easier to look at other people first and see how it's done, and you see a little schmutz over here, that's the word shemetz, schmutz, you see a stain over here, or you see uh, some schmutz over there, you see something which isn't so, so is not presenting itself and manifesting itself so nicely, how much anger and rage a person may have. So he says, you know what? So when properly cultivated, so all of a sudden, when the dominant part of the personality, the dominant part, becomes the desire to do good, so that passion that a person has to do good, that is going to overwhelm and overpower the Ra, the bad manifestation of those traits, and you could even destroy them altogether. He says that uh, in that person, if he needs to go ahead and rebuke them, and he needs to go ahead and point out to demonstrate to them something which they're doing, which is really beneath them, he says you should never go ahead when, when speaking to a person, a child, a student, uh, somebody else, uh, whoever it happens to be. So you never want to go ahead and be mazalza. You never want to disparage. And you never want to go ahead and use too strong terminology to put them down in terms of what they need to do to improve, what they need to do to harness this trait for, for good. It's not, it's, it, the, the purpose is not to go ahead and to be critical. 
to go ahead and be critical and to go ahead and label. So that's something which is a recipe for disaster. And that could take the child who could have developed into something which is great and end up directing them, sending them off in a different direction where they may end up not being so great and not learning how to harness all of the potential which exists inside of them for good. And therefore, rak diburim pshutimidaber. But he says, there you want to go ahead and you want to speak straightforward, you want to speak simple ways. But words which are like a burning um, uh, uh, arrow, which is shot out, or a burning bullet, will, will boil. And it create this huge storm inside of them, which as we know, if a boat is on stormy waters, so the boat could potentially capsize, it could turn over, everybody could drown, you could lose everything. The gam nishmas zulaso kocholi vechesem yimaso v'yakru, and we run that risk if not handled properly, if not handled in a way with this long-term perspective on helping the child develop and mature. So then what you could do is you could go ahead and you could just, you could put a permanent stain on it. You could use a permanent marker and put a permanent stain on that child's uh, neshama, and that will inhibit their growth, and that will inhibit them from being able to develop and mature. And he says, this is what we need to keep in mind. This is why it's so essential to have this long-term perspective of the child and not interact with them as the second grader, which they are today. It's true, they're second grader today. And I have to communicate with them in terms of their, their, their second grade mindset in maturity and intellectual capacity. But I have to realize that my goal is not to make this child the best second grader that I can. The goal is to make them the best adult that they could be. And sometimes I may have to sacrifice stuff in the present moment in order to make sure that I can achieve that long-term goal of being able to be this responsible, uh, 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 capable adult who is going to be passionate in terms of their avodas Hashem. And this is something which uh, you know every parent and every uh, um, every mechanic uh, uh, has to be mindful of. And now he says. Again, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this entire paragraph, but I just wanted to start it because you see, you, you, you begin to see some of the Piasetzna's passion come out, and you get to see a little bit of an insight into what troubled his heart, what he was seeing. Now remember, just to put this in context, he was writing as he died in the Warsaw Ghetto during the during the Holocaust. And he died, he was in his 50s, I think, when, when he died. So he may have been a Rosh Hashiva already 20 years earlier. So we're talking about the early part of the 20th century in Eastern Europe, in Poland and whatnot. So he says, the Alzeh, he says, regarding this matter, this short-sightedness, we would say, it should make your hair fall out. It should make your hair turn white. It should make your hair fall out. It should, be, it should drive you baddie. When we look at this younger generation, and he says, the hefkerus, the, the, the way in which the children growing up in our generation, and this is the beginning of the 20th century, can you imagine what would happen to his hair if you saw what was going on at the beginning of the 21st century? But at the beginning of the 20th century, he says, niskaper means not to be atoned for, it means like a kfira. How much kfira, how much people are turning away from Hashem, how much people are rejecting Yiddishkeit, Rachman al God forbid. 
And you find that there's a generation of children growing up that Ainbo, they do not possess. Lo emuna, they don't possess belief in God. Lo yira, no fear or reverence for God. Velo Torah, and they have no Torah knowledge whatsoever. And even more so, he says, frightening. Again, this is 100 years ago. Sonim heim es Hashem and we're raising a generation of people who despise Hashem and they hate the Jewish people. They do whatever they can to not be associated even just with other Jews. That's how that's how far away they've been pushed off, how far they've how far they've been driven away from Yiddishkeit. And he says, Menalev Russia Yeshivos. Now, this is him. I don't want to get blamed for his, his, his uh, assessment over here. But he says, you have the administrators, principals in Russia, Yeshiva, Hanim Sain Barosham, who are the heads of these institutions, and he says, they, they limit themselves to what's going on in their Yeshiva and what's happening with their students. So they're laser focused on what's in front of them, what's in front of them right now, and all they see is the successful Bachrim who are in front of them. So you have the, the, like the um, uh, national merit scholars. So you have somebody who's in yeshiva filled with national merit scholars. So if you're a Rosh Yeshiva where all of your students are national merit scholars, so you as a Rosh Yeshiva are going to have the biggest smile on your face because you have the best Bachrim. They're capable, they're smart, they're mature, they're, uh, they're dedicated, and you're, you know, you're thrilled that you've got a room full of 100 Bachrim who are just excelling. And he says, um, but misnachamim lemor, he says uh, that they, uh, they may regret and say, hey, Nemes, so they may acknowledge he says, listen, there's a lot of children outside of the yeshiva, walk outside into the street. There's a lot of kids who are free, who will say, off the derech or something like that. But they say, you know what, it's not my responsibility. The Jewish people is not going to be widowed or is not going to be orphaned. And there are still uh, people who are uh, the, who are experts in the, the in their understanding of halacha, and there are plenty of people who are here in the building right in front of me who uh, whose hearts are dedicated to Hashem, and therefore they don't feel the need to look outside of their daladamos. He's going to use that phrase in a moment, but they don't feel the need to look outside of their daladamos or see anything else uh, but that. But he says, you know, the Piasetsa says, you know what I say to them. Um, yeah, we'll do this one more sentence. He says, we have to do it quickly. But he says, you know what they should do? They should walk out of the wall, they should walk out of the, the, the base madrash sometime and look what's happening by the lake. They should look what's happening by the hangouts. They should go see what's happening outside of the ideal, uh, idyllic setting, the Ganadin of inside of the yeshiva. And you'll see this, uh, this huge amount of people, this huge, huge percentage of people who are off the derech, who are not interested at all, not studying Torah, they're not keeping Shabbos, they're not keeping Kashas, they just don't care. There's this vacuum which is created in the, in the, uh, in the uh, following the destruction of Yishalayim. 
And what happens is, in, he's saying that even in his own time, even you know, in his lifetime, when he was a Bachar, how many more people were in yeshiva? And he says, what you could see is, He says, sadly, base medrashes, which used to be filled with people studying Torah, they're now empty. V'sachtam, and what's, what has replaced that? So nismalu agudos v'chabros asher matarasam kfira umiyusa shel Torah. And what do we have in the place of that? We have all sorts of other areas where people hang out, and all they do is they engage in kfira, denial of Torah, denial of Hashem, denial of anything which is, which is kadosh, and they despise, they find to be repulsive, anything related to Hashem, Rahman al-Islam, God forbid. And that's the matzah which we find ourselves in, which the Piyasetzna is bemoaning. And now we'll, uh, we'll pick it up from here, Mirza Hashem, next week. Just going to have to go to a tomorrow in a, uh, in a minute. Not, 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 not next week. week. Next, not week, next week. Because next week is the chasna. I'm not going to be teaching in the middle of the, the chasna. So two weeks from now, we will resume at the same time, seven o'clock here in Chicago. But we'll see. He, can, he will continue to bemoan the circumstances of where Klal Yisrael is. And he's going to relate this back to the difference between what he's trying to emphasize, the difference between a mechanech and a melamed. Somebody's trying to develop the character of the child and realizes that each child in student is unique and special. And it's just a matter of developing their character. Or somebody is just trying to transmit information and doesn't engage with the child for who they are, where they are. The children are not seen. And then that's going to lead to what he says is this phenomena where people aren't interested, they've turned away from Hashem, they've turned away from Torah, they're not observant anymore, and he puts the blame squarely on the shoulders of those who are in charge of raising the, ch- the, the children and educating them. So we'll see Amir Hashem in, in two weeks from now, we will pick it up from, uh, from, from here. Thank you, Rabbi. Good afternoon, everybody, for coming. Thank you. Thank you.